Oh, Lord Jesus, teach us what it means to go from the dust to being your disciples. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. God's peace to you, friends, on this Ash Wednesday evening. Let me ask you, have you ever been covered in dust? I mean, maybe on the job or maybe working in your backyard or just out playing, you got covered in dust or mud or dirt or whatever. I remember as a kid, that happening a lot. But I don't ever remember getting in trouble for it. It was just what we did as boys, you know. And now, growing up in the 60s in the St. Louis area, back in those days, you know, you'd get on your bike and you'd ride for miles and ride for hours. You'd spend a whole Saturday away from home and nobody thought anything of it, right? Some of you remember those days where you didn't worry about safety because, you know what, your, your, your neighbor's mom and dad were looking out for you too. And if you did something wrong, guess what? That got back to mom and dad. So everybody, you know, you just did everything and it was okay. And I just remember going off with my friends and out into this muddy field and we would dig mud uh, forts and we'd throw mud bombs at each other, you know, and just have a big mud fight. We'd be covered in dirt. And, of course, you always had to be home by the time the porch light went off. Because if you got home after the porch light was turned off, you missed dinner that night. So you made sure you got home. And I'd come home covered in dirt. I never got in trouble for it. I was just told, all right, get cleaned up. You're not coming to the dinner table looking like that. And so I'd have to get cleaned up. But it was fun. Covered in dirt. You know, boys in dirt, I think they just kind of go hand in hand. I don't know what it is. But if you think about it, we, we really do come by it honestly. If you go all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis 2 verse 7, where we're told the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Men and dirt, we come right out of it, don't we, guys? Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting where in that passage where in the original Hebrew where it references man, the Hebrew word for man is Adam, Adam. We get the name Adam from that, man, Adam. But the word for ground, he came from the dust of the ground, is Adama, same root word. Man and dirt, man and ground go together. We came out from the ground. God shaped us into his, his own. So quite literally, the first man, Adam, Adam, was of the earth, a man of the dirt, you might say. I've often thought in studying the Bible that it is a rather earthy book when you get right down to it. Oh, yes, don't get me wrong. It is a heavenly book, to be sure. It comes from God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is certainly truly God's word and fully reliable. But he used earthy people to write it down for him. And it contains some really earthy stories about earthy people doing earthy things. And it's very honest about those things. 
And if you think about it, the main point of the whole Bible is about God coming down into this earthy existence in the form of a human body given the name Jesus the Savior. Of course, God's intent, his original intent for people was for them to live in his perfect paradise. That's what he intended Eden to be forever. But as you know, very sadly, that perfect life was shattered when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. In that terrible moment, utter earthiness took over. Sin came into the world and with sin came death, physical death and spiritual eternal death. Without any intervention, all would be lost. And then God spoke some rather sobering words to Adam. He says, continuing in Genesis, cursed is the ground, the Adamah, because of you. Cursed is the ground. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, he said, since from it you were taken. And then came the most sobering words of all. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You came out of the ground, you'll return to the ground. If you think about it, the origin of his body and the source of his food became a symbol of man's eventual death. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Today, of course, is Ash Wednesday, the first day of the season of Lent. And Ash Wednesday, among other things, calls us to pause all of our busyness and to take stock of our lives. It's a time for some honest, sober reflection on what really matters. Ash Wednesday is a rather stark reminder to us that we too are going from dust to dust. It reminds us that, yes, there is a limited amount of time that we have on this earthy place before our body then returns to the earth from which it came. But that isn't the only message on Ash Wednesday, thank goodness. Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent also remind us that life as God intends it is much more than just a trek back to the earth from which we arose. In Jesus Christ, the center of our Lenten meditations, we discover life in all of its fullness, life as God wants it to be for us. The ashes that we'll be offering this evening are placed on the forehead in the sign of the cross. 
They're placed in the sign of a cross as a reminder of our source of hope and of our real purpose for living and the real meaning of life itself. For that sign of the cross reminds us, first of all, that we are to come before God with honest hearts of repentance. The ashes call us to repentance. You know, for centuries going back into antiquity, when a person was repented, they would pour ashes over themselves. Think about the story of Jonah. When he finally does end up at Nineveh, and he proclaims God's word to the people of Nineveh, what did they do? They repented and they covered themselves in ashes and sackcloth. Repentance is a part of what it means to come before the cross. But that cross that we put on our forehead also reminds us that whatever we have done that we regret, whatever we have done that ultimately will take us to the grave, is forgiven in Jesus Christ who died for us. His death was the full penalty for your sins and mine and those of the whole world. And as we heard in the gospel lesson for tonight, Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not go to hell, but will have everlasting life. That's what that cross means as we place it on our foreheads tonight. Jesus has forgiven our sins and sets us free to live a life with meaning and purpose. We're not just going from dust to dust. There's a lot in between. A lot of living to do for Jesus' sake. And even death is not the end for those of us who know Jesus as our Savior. For we know that he rose again on the last day. Even the death grave could not hold him. And because he rose, we too will rise again on the last day. And we will enter heaven with a glorified heavenly body where we will live with Jesus forever. Good Friday will have its Easter. The ashes in the shape of the cross also serve to remind us, friends, that we are called to take up our crosses and follow Jesus every day that we are on this earthy planet until the day we become dust again. This sermon series on these Wednesday nights of Lent is called From Dust to Discipleship. And what we're going to be doing on these Wednesdays is exploring what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. What is discipleship anyway? Interestingly, the word disciple in the original Greek language is mathetes, mathetes, which basically means a learner, one who learns, a pupil, a follower. We get the word mathematics and mathematician from this word mathetes. A strict uh, definition of a mathematician is one who learns from his or her teacher and follows what that teacher has to say. A disciple is a learner, a pupil, a follower of the teacher. There's an old Jewish rabbinic saying that I think is rather insightful. It comes from the the Mishnah, 
from uh, between 200 B.C. and 200 A.D. And it goes like this. Let your house be a meeting house for the wise and powder yourself in the dust of their feet and drink their words with thirstiness. So these words are directed to the learner, to one who would learn from their rabbi, from their teacher. Let your house be a meeting house for the wise and powder yourself in the dust of their feet, in the dust of your teacher, and drink their words with thirstiness. That phrase, that little statement has, has be, been understood in two different ways. One, it, it's taken to mean sit at the feet of your teacher and learn from him or her. Sit at the feet of your teacher and learn. But a second understanding of that phrase is to follow so closely behind that rabbi, that teacher, that the dust of their sandals gets kicked up into your face. That's another way that's interpreted. Powder yourself in the dust of their feet. Follow so close to your teacher because you want to learn from that teacher so much that the dust of their sandals flies up into your face. Kind of a graphic way of saying, pay attention to your teacher and learn. Ray Vanderlaan is a Christian um, minister and teacher. He does a series of of DVD Bible studies and goes on site in Israel and teaches from there. And he did one DVD series called In the Dust of the Rabbi. And this is his basic premise, that we are to follow our rabbi, our teacher, Jesus, so closely that it's as if the dust of his sandals is flapping up into our face. That's how much we want to learn from him. That's what it means to be a mathetes, a disciple of Jesus, one who follows him so closely that we learn all we can. On this Ash Wednesday, as we begin this 40-day journey in the dust of our rabbi, Jesus, here are some thoughts about the starting point for understanding what discipleship is. Three things, three R words. No, it's not reading, writing, and arithmetic. The first R word is to remember. Remember that you are dust. Remember that you are dust. In other words, remember that life really is very short. It seems to go by more quickly the older I get. You too? Life is short, so make the most of life for God's glory before we become dust again. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. Remember that you are dust. Time is short. Use it well. The second R word is repent. The word Jesus used, repent and believe the good news. Those were Jesus' first words recorded in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Repent and believe the good news. Discipleship involves, first of all, daily repenting, daily confessing to God our sins, daily acknowledging we've messed up. But then as Luther so often reminded us to daily remind ourselves that we've been washed clean. We've been drowned in the waters of baptism and raised back into new life through baptism. 
and that we can do that drowning and rising every day as we remember the meaning of our baptism, that in that sacrament, God claimed us as his children, gave us his spirit, planted faith in our hearts, and washed us clean. No more dust of sin. And this discipleship process of repenting and believing the good news means daily finding joy in the message that Jesus, your Savior, died for you and rose again that you may have eternal life. So remember that you are dust. Repent and believe the good news. And thirdly, renew. Renew your commitment to follow Jesus. Our mission statement here at Shepherd of the Desert is leading people to follow Jesus. I want to challenge you to renew your commitment during this Lenten season to follow Jesus so closely it's as if the dust of his sandals is flapping up in your face. So eager are you to learn more of him. And when the dust of his feet flies up into your face, shape it into the sign of a cross and wear it for all to see. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.